Joseph's been going through some stuff, hasn't he? He's been going through some pretty heavy challenges in his life. Uh, <laughs> some um, uphill uh, adventures, let's say. Uh, not for the faint of heart. Joseph's been through quite the journey thus far, hasn't he? Yeah, you know, the whole ordeal with his brothers. Yeah, we looked at that. You can check out the archived video sessions in regards to Joseph and the book of Genesis. Because on Wednesdays, that's what we do. We study the scriptures and we chose to, uh, the book of Genesis. We've been going through the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 14 for this session in regards to Joseph interpreting a dream. Interpreting a dream. He got in trouble in the last chapter. He got in trouble, not of his own fault, of course. It was brought upon him from a uh, woman, his boss's wife, if you will, uh, Potiphar's wife. And um, sadly, um, uh, his boss chose to believe his crazy wife and uh, put Joseph in prison, if you will. And uh, Joseph, of course, um, he continues to be successful because God's with him. And that's important because at all, throughout all these experiences that he's going through, he's learning uh, to uh, be humbled, obviously, and to gain insight. <clears throat> and that's how that works. So be careful when you ask for wisdom. <laughs> yeah, God will allow you to have wisdom, uh, but it comes at the hands uh, of sorrow at great times or turmoil or challenge and um, stuff like that. It can come, of course, from peace as well and, and encouragement. Uh, but more often than not, in my limited experience, it has come with a great deal of sorrow, uh, deep persecution from those closest to you, uh, you name it, you know, from, from this, that, and the other, uh, you kind of learn stuff. And Joseph here began, of course, in the account witnessed and recorded as a young man, entitled in sorts, arrogant, perhaps, um, flamboyant in his ways, because his father, stemming back again to this... Uh, ancestral lineage of um, poor behavior resulting in lack of faith and also division and chaos and disorder in the household. Um, <clears throat> you know, Joseph um, was the recipient of favoritism by his father, and so that bittered his brethren, his own siblings, against him in a very um, deep and dark way to the point where they wanted to murder him they didn't do that they sold him off into Egyptian bondage <clears throat> and um, so Joseph's had to be learning these things and as he's going through each of these moments he's learning uh, God's blessing him uh, through the sorrow he's he's receiving but blessing him also with insight with uh, um, wisdom and uh, in Egypt of course because the Lord was with him he became successful uh, but uh, his boss's wife, again, uh, got in the mix there as a very lascivious individual, uh, sex-driven to have relations with Joseph, but Joseph wanted none of it. He knew the problems that could come from that. And I mean, also, as the text would reveal, I mean, it's just wrong before God. I mean, he's a single man, and he is not to have uh, sexual intercourse with a married woman. And to make it worse... I mean, if there is such a thing as making it worse, perhaps, probably. Uh, he knew this woman, and he knew her husband. Her husband happens to be his superior in this um, 
Egyptian world where Joseph is the man out, you know, he's not uh, following the same uh, pagan ways. And so he, he can find himself in hot water real quick with these individuals who are greatly superstitious and driven by all sorts of myth and uh, whatnots. Though they do have their own codes, we Gentiles typically have our own codes, uh, and there is rule, um, it's a dangerous place to be. And of course, his wife lies about him, uh, trying to tell his husband that he's the one who made advances on her when in fact it was the other way around. And we kind of looked into that uh, that very um, corrupt character and spoke about that in our last session. So we're just going to get into it with verse 1 of chapter 40 and uh, see what's in store for Joseph this time around. Is that okay? Please subscribe, follow, like, share, give a comment. All that kind of good stuff helps you support the Added Souls ministry to reach further and uh, find perhaps souls like you and I who find this kind of stuff um, very interesting. And it has a substance, and it helps us in our faith today. There is practical application uh, to this information that helps you and I today. And of course, you can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. You can support there. There is PayPal, and you can reach out to me if you want a physical address, all that kind of stuff, or for a conversation, whatever. So in uh, chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Then it came about after these things. Okay, well, what things? Well, the things that took place in chapter 39, which we looked at in our last session last week. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their lord. They offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Oh, that's not that's never a good thing. That that don't end well. Uh, Pharaoh was furious. It says in verse two with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. An offense has taken place, and there will be consequences. So he put them, verse 3, in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. Now, if you got to be put somewhere in confinement, you want to be put somewhere in confinement where Joseph is found. Just like Joseph's boss before he was blinded by his wife's treachery and slander and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, he knew he wanted to be next to Joseph and have Joseph in charge of stuff so that he wouldn't need to worry about stuff. And uh, so here they are found, these two individuals in the confinement location where Joseph is uh, imprisoned as well. So the captain of the bodyguard, verse 4, put Joseph in charge of him. Yeah, because Joseph was a man of integrity, a man of responsibility and priority, and could be trusted. <clears throat> Joseph had to learn that, and he certainly learned that the hard way, being humbled and being in a location that is very dangerous. You have to learn how to be quiet when it's time to be quiet, learn to speak when it's time to speak, and when it's time to speak, learn how to speak with tact, learn how to speak in a way that's very wise. Yeah. So the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of him. Who? Well, the cupbearer and the baker. What did they do? Well, they offended. They offended their lord, the king of Egypt. You don't do that. <clears throat> you don't do that. That's a, That could have been a death sentence right there. Uh, so uh, the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of him. 
and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. They were in confinement for some time. Uh, then the cupbearer, in verse 5, and the baker for the king of Egypt, uh, who were confined in jail, both had a dream. The same night. Each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. Hmm, interesting. A dream. A dream. So, when Joseph came to them, in verse 6, in the morning, and observed them, behold, they were dejected. They were dejected. What does that even mean? Let me check. Dejected. Some of you are like, I know what it means. Well, I don't. Okay. Uh, dispirited. Sad. Depressed. Looking dejected, downcast, downhearted, in similar fashion, the other words of description, despondent, disconsolate, dispirited. Yeah. They're not in the happy, cheery, everything's so cool and encouraging kind of uh, emotion. Not at all. Dejected. Very sad. Deeply so. So, um, when, jo when Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. And he asked Pharaoh's officials, in verse 7, who were with him in confinement in his master's house. Why are your faces so sad today? <clears throat> Why so glum, chum? <laughs> Why are you so glum, chum? Uh, what's, uh, what's with the sad face, huh? Of course, we're being a bit humorous to it, but, uh, you know, um, in all seriousness, this uh, they've been demoted <laughs> very badly, and they could be, at any time, <clears throat> the recipients of capital punishment. I mean, they <laughs> this, this charge could have been slung at any time in this here pagan nation. And, um, I, I mean, you can understand from a certain angle, of course, as to why they would be so sad. So Joseph wants them to understand what's going on. So then they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. So that cause, that's cause for concern. There's great concern for them. They can't chill. They can't relax. They can't relax. No one's there to tell them what they dreamed and why. So then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. Joseph, always mindful that it is God. It is God whose mind um, would justly interpret the information. We find ourselves sometimes trying to study the scriptures and finding verses we don't fully understand, and then we formulate our own interpretation, don't we? And more often than not, the interpretation we formulate in our thoughts, we tend to galvanize our position with and then proclaim it. And it can be way off, way off there in left field. Not even close. Well, why don't we just allow God to interpret it? He wrote it, after all. And someone says, well, of course, well, how? Reading the Bible. The Bible is its best interpreter. 
It really is. There will be another verse somewhere that will help you in principle, in context, in application, in, in all of it. Look for another verse in the Bible that greater explains the verse that you're trying to understand. That's the Holy Spirit guiding us into understanding what he meant when he wrote it. These individuals had dreams. Their countenance is low and sad, distraught, dejected. Why? Well, who can interpret it? They could have interpreted. Other men are going to interpret it. Those of the uh, pagan kind with their superstitions. This is what the dream means. Not even close. Not even close. Don't try to go to um, false teachers to get yourself an interpretation of a certain Bible verse. They won't lead you the right way. They don't. They won't. They'll twist and pervert and corrupt the text to their own selfish ambitions and desires and have you fully convinced that it's okay to live in sin or to practice sin. Don't do that. They'll miss it, and you'll miss it along with them. Joseph understood very well that the source of interpretation belongs to God. In this here context, dreams. But nonetheless, Joseph understood to which source uh, the interpretive uh, uh, power was held. And you and I today are wise to think the same way in regards to the scriptures. If there's a verse you don't understand, if we don't understand it, go to the Bible for it. Of course, there are faithful Christians who have done their studies who could point us in the right way. But if they point us in a way that doesn't seem to fit rightly handled scripture, then we reject what they've told us and we follow the interpretation of the Holy Spirit of the Bible wrote. It's, it's, it, that's how that works uh, in real fashion. Uh, Mark 16, 16 is always a, an easier one to go to, right? Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. Whoever does not believe shall be damned. What does that mean? Well, go to the Bible to understand what you have to believe. And what does baptism mean? And what does salvation mean? And what does it mean if one doesn't believe and one is condemned? What does that mean? Well, if I formulate my own thoughts and create my own religion and my own interpretation to my own selfish desires, it means whoever just speaks that they believe in Jesus is saved and then later on can be baptized as an outward sign of an inward grace. Maybe I'll take that interpretation. Maybe I'll take the interpretation that belief really doesn't need to be independent on the individual, but the parents, as long as they believe, for their kids, they can have their kids sprinkled with water. Can have that interpretation. Can have all sorts of interpretations. Got all sorts of churches pre teaching, preaching all sorts of interpretations. But what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say about Mark 16, 16 and what it means? Oh, that's different. Same with John 3, 16. Because Mark 16, 16 and John 3, 16, 16, they don't contradict each other. But if you go out there in the ocean of, uh, of mankind who have since created Christianity in their own image, interpreted it to their own image and selfish ambitions, their own greed, their own power and control, their own pride, oh, you'll have Mark 16, 16 and John 3, 16 
contradicting each other all the time. So what do we need to do? Well, go to God. The words of the Holy Spirit will interpret the text. We have to catch up to it, obviously. We have to understand what it says. Okay, bit of an excursion to the point, practical application to what Joseph is saying here. Do not interpretations belong to God? Isn't it his field of expertise? So he says, tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer, in verse 9, told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me. And on the vine were three branches. And as it was budding, its blossoms came out, and the clusters produced ripe grapes. Hmm. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. That's the dream in which this chief cupbearer had, and he told his dream to Joseph. Joseph, prior to hearing this dream, had told the chief cupbearer, do not interpretations belong to God. So then Joseph said to him in verse 12, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cup bearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, verse 14, and please do not, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. A lot of stuff going on. We have to keep ourselves um, focused on the context thread and the uh, um, coordinated a series of events being recorded here. Look at how God's providence operates. Remember, verse 2, chapter 39, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. God's with Joseph because Joseph's with God, and God, through providential path, is going to set Joseph in success, always. So, look at how it takes place. The cupbearer and the baker offended the king of Egypt. So, they get, set, they get sent to prison. It just so happens Joseph is there. It just so happens they have dreams. It just so happens no one can interpret that dream but Joseph accurately. 
they could go to anyone else and anybody else is going to the sorcerers of the age would have said something about that interpretation they would have gave their own interpretation it would have been way off again who are we bringing attention to when studying the scriptures are we seeking to understand the mind of the author who wrote it and understand what it is we must receive and believe and practice in our lives or are we taking the verses of the bible and going to priests and popes and reverends and pastors lions and tigers and bears oh my in order to receive their own image of christianity which is of course corrupted and a curse to their own selfish ambitions no we have to go to god to understand okay well to the path of providence of course Joseph is there, and he's there to interpret the dream. And he knows that's going to get these men close to Pharaoh. And if these men of good favor are near Pharaoh, why not be kind to Joseph, who was able to have them set there with an interpreted dream? And we know, for those of us who have read the account numerous times, how that's going to uh be fulfilled and that's quite uh encouraging it should be to us that god's in control of these things and if we are with god he is with us and though we find ourselves in some sticky situations by the hands of slanderers by the hands of false witnesses liars pharisees diotrophes judas iscariot Whoever, whoever, the persecution of uh, corrupt governing bodies, all these things, we can persevere through them with God's providence fulfilling his will. So Joseph wants this cupbearer to remember. Listen, remember me when you're with Pharaoh, okay? Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Kindness is better than niceness. Niceness don't get anywhere. Kindness does. Why? Because kindness is useful. An act of kindness? We don't say an act of niceness. We can say, oh, he's nice. Why? Because he smiled. She smiled. They said, they said something nice, or perhaps they said something kind. That's more accurate. Yeah, if they say something kind, then that perhaps built you up. That encouraged you. That motivates you. Words can be kind. But actions, an act of kindness, can also be very useful in your life. And here, Joseph, well within his right to ask of this cupbearer a simple request. Hey, listen, I interpreted your dream. God's the source in which we should thank for that. Could you please mention me to Pharaoh? And get me out of this house? The house of imprisonment, obviously. In verse 15, For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. That's interesting. I've been kidnapped 
from the land of the Hebrews. Why wouldn't he have said, my rotten brothers, jealous, filled with envy and filled with all sorts of bitterness and hate and deception and murderous lust, they sold me off to these pagans. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. It's not a lie. He was. And even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. He knows he's not guilty of this consequence, this sentence. It's because of his boss's wife. She forced herself upon him to have sexual relations. He wanted none of it, ran off, and she turned around and screamed, ah! He, he, he tried to take over me. And though they must have knew, to a certain degree, some of them, some of them must have known her character enough to be like, ugh, this is a lie, but we can't say so. I mean, the boss will have us executed if we go against his wife. See, if more people stood up to corruption, we wouldn't have to live under that tyranny. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw, it says in verse 16, when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream. Uh, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the basket of my head, on my head. Oh, well, that's a strange dream. Well, Joseph has something to say about that. Joseph answers and says to him, verse 18, this is its interpretation. This, uh, this is what it means, what you just had in your dreams. This is what it means. The three baskets are three days, just like the cupbearer. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree. And the birds will eat your flesh off you. <laughs> Ain't that nice? Well, that's nice. Hmm? Quite the different dream here. Very different indeed. Three days. In three days, one of them is going to be next to Pharaoh in good favor, once again reinstated to his office. But for this individual, oh man, he's going to be uh, uh, executed. It seems at this point, right? Thus it came about on the third day, verse 20, which was Pharaoh's birthday. I mean, of all days, let's have an execution on my birthday. Yeah, that seems right. That he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants, and he restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. Man, oh man, the things you do for people. 
No thoughtfulness at all. No appreciation. He's there, well and alive, reinstated to his former office of responsibility, priority to the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he can't remember who brought him there? Well, there's a lesson for you and I. Let's always remember who forgave us of our sins and has allowed us to live another day of life with air in our lungs, eyes that can see, nose that can smell, ears that can hear, mouth that can speak, legs that can walk. Who gave us our employment? Who gave us our families, our wives, our children? Who gave us his church to experience and find love and unity and comfort within a fateful household, mind you? Who gave us the experience of existence and the purpose of life to be at peace with our fellow neighbors and to have freedom and privilege? Who gave us all these things? Are we so soon to forget God, be thankful to God? What did Paul say to the Christians in Rome, chapter 1? in their descent into utter madness and chaos and disorder and murder and perversion. What was the first step? They stopped acknowledging God. They no longer thanked Him for all the wonderful blessings. The chief cupbearer was alive and well, reinstated to his office with all the blessings that were made available to him for that office. And he was there because Joseph... Joseph knew the source in which this dream he had could be interpreted. Whose dream? Well, the chief cupbearer. God. From God to Joseph, from Joseph to this chief cupbearer, and this chief cupbearer forgot Joseph, and forgot Joseph in the purpose in which Joseph could interpret his dream. Are we guilty of that? Of course we are. Look at our nations fallen nations, they no longer belong to us. Whose flag are they flying? It's not ours. Whose flag are they flying? Have you seen the flag they've been flying? It ain't the American flag. It ain't the Canadian flag. How did we get there? Stopped acknowledging God. Stopped thanking Him for all the blessings we had in America and in Canada. Stopped believing in Him. Oh, you still find little pockets here and there. But as a nation, from its head leadership, we're fallen. We're fallen deep, too. So here's the chief cupbearer not remembering Joseph. And this is something you remember. This is not, oh, I completely forgot about that. I don't know why. And there has been some time, but not enough time. That should have been the first and foremost thing said. The minute Pharaoh said, you're reinstated, thank you, sir. I would like for you to hear my plea in regards to Joseph. He was so kind. He was so kind to have interpreted my dream, you know, or whichever way he wanted to formulate the account. Uh, a lot to learn here in chapter 40. A lot to learn here in chapter 40. Chapter 41 goes on for a while. Uh, we'll save that for next round, next week, Lord willing. 
because uh, there's a bulk of information in 40 we can we can uh, we can uh, recognize we can recognize and apply in our lives one first and foremost always if God is with us because we are with him meaning we follow his son you and I we live under the dispensation of the Messiah the Christ we live in the Christian age the last days if you will we live in the last days, which are the age of the Messiah, the Christian era. That's the last dispensation of time before his return. You and I are blessed to live in that time. All who have lived in that time have been blessed to live in the age of the Messiah, his kingdom. Those of us who have been made Christians at our new birth in the legal citizenry of his kingdom, we live under the rule of the New Testament. We learn, of course, from the 39 books of the Old Testament, as Paul would have commanded us to do, because through reading these accounts in Genesis uh, and all the other books of the Old Testament, we can learn God's nature. We can learn the actions of mankind. We can learn what's uh, right and wrong and helps us to discern this and discern that. There's, there's just a mountain wealth of information. And also because we can see the coming Messiah through them. The pages of the Old Testament teach us of the coming Messiah and how God um, uh, brought that all to be very well. But you and I, we live under the 27 books of the New Testament, as far as our law, that is. The New Testament, the new covenant to which Christ bled for. It's important. So we follow the Christ, who is our King, our Master, our Savior, the Son of God. If we are with Him, in obedience to His law of mercy and grace, there is order, there is justice, um, we can be successful too. It may not always mean physically in earthly terms, but we are spiritually successful, right? Joseph was successful because the Lord was with him. That's something we have to, we can take and be like, okay, point number one. <laughs> if we're faithful to Jesus Christ, he will have us successful, spiritually speaking. And a great many times, in a general sense, physically as well. Why? Because we'll be wise dealing with employers or employees. <clears throat> we'll be wise in our relationships with our neighbors, our family members, coworkers. We'll be wise with our finances, being good stewards of everything that's made available to us. We'll be productive. We'll be content. We won't be greedy. We won't practice favoritism, if you will. We will be well-rounded and wise, balanced, seasoned. If we indeed follow Jesus Christ. And if we do and become the recipients of betrayal or slander or false witness at the hands of tyrants or diatrophies, self-righteous hypocrites, these kinds, whether from among us who have crept in unnoticed or from a corrupt government or whatever it is we're dealing with, just like Joseph, in principle now, for practical application, we too can persevere and learn the wisdom of that sorrow and have it in our arsenal because God has blessed us with seeing things. Once you've gone through a, a Judas Iscariot, you can be quick to discern another Judas Iscariot. You, you can identify the character. And you can see them 
and understand them by the fruits they produce. And you can teach that wisdom to others. And you can protect and shepherd the fold away from Judas or Pharisees or Diotrephes or all these characters. Alexander the coppersmith giving Paul great problems. It, it, all of this. Well, Joseph is learning all this wisdom. He's understanding these characters now because he was from a naive position. Now he's starting to be more cultured in what's happening in his surroundings. Now he's learning about the character of the cupbearer, the character of the baker, the character of uh, Potiphar, the character of his wife. And I assure you, once you've lived on this earth long enough, you start to be able to care to, to uh, how should I say, um, oh, order, in, in, in orderly manner, um, uh, understand certain characters, certain personalities. Like, yep, I, can, I, I know what that is. And you start to be more uh, understanding of who is truly genuine and faithful and humble and who isn't. That's important. I've spoken uh, not too long ago uh, to brethren who have been in the church for decades. I mean, 40, 50, 40, 50, 60 years, some of them. Some of them elders, some of them preachers. Had not spoken to them for a long time, spoke to them. They could not discern right from wrong. Dis completely ignorant. And because they're ignorant, they side with what is wrong, what is corrupt, what is sinful, what is lawless, what is evil. They couldn't discern right from wrong. They rebuked Jesus and sided with the Pharisees. They rebuked John, slandered John, slandered Gaius and sided with Diotrephes, but they couldn't see it. Those of us who have gone through these wisdoms, we can discern that. We can be like, oh, there are brethren who have never grown in faith. Matter of fact, they've diminished. They've gone idle and worldly. They can't see right from wrong. Very surface, fake Christians. And there are many of those, and they are very discouraging. But then you can recognize the humble. Then you can recognize those, uh, many of whom I've spoken to, uh, uh, wonderful Christians who are, they can discern evil. They can discern right from wrong. And they indeed side with Jesus. They side with what is right. Joseph is understanding through these moments, these different characters. That makes an elder who's humble, who's capable of have gone through these things in life, can shepherd the flock, secure the flock, protect the flock, guide the flock, and be there, of course, as an expedient in the realms of matters of conscience and scruple and opinion and judgment, things like that. So here's Joseph going through these moments, and he's learning who these officials are, what kind of characters they are. And um, it's going to be, to, of course, a benefit for him. Because again, as verse 2 of chapter 39 says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. There's going to be a full turn here in this account as we move forward in the weeks, Lord willing, in regards to Joseph and his siblings and what they had done to him and what they had done to his father, making him think that Joseph had been devoured by a wild beast. Crazy, right? <laughs> We can go through these moments in life, these very severe, deep sorrows and traumas, and we don't need to allow that to define us. We can persevere. We can learn how to uh, live with it, but uh, um, 
not in an unhealthy path. How so? Following Jesus. He will make us successful. He will make us successful. All those who are against God and against Joseph will come to either repentance or consequence, all of consequence, but some to repentance and some, of course, to uh, their bitter end. So there's, uh, again, so much wonderful information in these accounts. I find it quite interesting, uh, and I do believe you do as also. So please consider subscribing, following, liking, sharing, give a comment, interact. That allows the, uh, <clears throat> the content to move further and find other friends like you and I who uh, find value in this information, right? And please consider uh, supporting the work, the Added Souls work. You can go to addedsouls.locals.com. And you can sign up there and uh, support there. There is the PayPal option. You can contact me for a physical address. Uh, I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. The East Coast Church of Christ over here in the Maritimes, Canada. And uh, we have a website. You can check out the .com. We have a Facebook page. You can check that out. Um, get involved. Get involved. It's very good work. All right, well, that'll do for this session. Lord willing, tomorrow, Thursday, our topical session for Thursday. Uh, check the show notes. We go live from Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. And then we go live on Saturday evening uh, on our Facebook page, Added Souls, at 7 p.m. Atlantic Daylight Time. I do those with my brother, Andre Moore, and uh, it's the Back to the Bible Q&A sessions. And uh, yeah. It's a live interaction program where if you have questions, if you have things you want us to discuss, we go through it together. Is that okay? Good stuff. Stay focused. Stay positive. Till next time, peace out.